this is totally not Danzig, and you're listening to the Shred Shack. Greetings, folks. I'm Dan Mack. Hey, this is Chris Mack. Welcome to you to episode 139 of the Shred Shack podcast, your premier source of news and uninformed yet heavily biased opinions pertaining to all things heavy metal. Airing bi-weekly on iTunes, Mixcloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and that is it. Let's get started with some old business. I did that perfect. I'm that was, on fire right now. And it's just so funny that you're, you're so adamant about not getting Spotify, yet here we are on Spotify. Yeah. Well. Uh, uh, I did. I did. Yeah, it's on iTunes. Yes, iTunes. Thank you, babe. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that so, was Lindsay's contribution to the podcast of the week. <laughs> yes, she's just making sure where you can find us if you haven't found us already, which you should have because you're listening to us, unless you're spying. Which <laughs> unless maybe, you're Google. <laughs> yeah, which may be happening considering the fact that we sit here and talk about um, chicken cordon bleu chicken last cor- night. Yeah, talk, talk and about it comes that. up in my fucking news feed like an hour later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's. It's scary. It's scary. Portable wiretap. <laughs> uh, I, I, I can mean, really I, use a deal on. I would say that I'm not worth following, but hey, listen, if you're going to give me like ideas like that, keep following me. Yeah, for sure. Because that pizza <laughs> cordon blue sounds sweet. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so let's get started with some old business. Unfortunately, we have no old business. Although uh, there's one thing I was I want to put in old business, and it was like a, 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 a clip that of Ozzy Osbourne doing an interview and it says he's hoping the tour uh, in 2022. Yeah. That's some old business. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's let, let's move on from that because, you know, we don't even know where he'll be at that time. True. Yeah, we're True. still we're still trying to get through 2020 and a lot of people have uh have died this year. So, and also, you know, a lot of people are jumping the gun on trying to say what we're going to be doing yep. come 2021. Yep. So. So. All right. So, New business, and of course that means album releases. Yep, I've listened to several, of course. Of course you did. So, so I am going to just, down. I am just going to bring up my Spotify playlist from the last two weeks. Spotify playlist from the last two weeks. Why gotta be? Why you keep saying that? Because I am jockeying the shit out of them. Because we're not going to get sponsored by Monster. At least we can get sponsored by Spotify. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> we have to get people to listen first. True. And to do that first, we need Eddie Van Halen on guitar. <laughs> first, we collect underpants. <laughs> All right, so Marilyn Manson released a new record called um, "Shit." I don't even whatever. It's not, it's not called that. It, well, no, maybe, but I only got through half of it. It was all right. Okay. You know, I I think I really do have a uh, a particular bias to pretty much everything, like before, like Antichrist Superstar before. And, you know, prior. So. so that's basically three albums out of, like, the 12 he has. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, I haven't really gotten into, like, I haven't really listened to any of his later stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, I I get, like, there's, I can see where some people really like it, but then it's like, it just didn't pull me in right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but next up, I listened to uh, Medium Rarities by Mastodon, and that was fucking great. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Especially, like, my, my biggest... The things I liked the most about it were some of the um, the instrumental takes on some of their previous songs, which were really fun. A couple of live tracks, uh, some deeper cuts, like they have um, some of the stuff they did for um, they have White Walker, which is what they did for a compilation for Game of Thrones. They have their cover of Orion on here. Really, really good stuff. 
Uh, Epica came out with a quick, like, little EP type thing with some live acoustic versions of stuff and a couple songs. Pretty good. Uh, Skeletal Remains, very good. Death metal, up, definitely a thumbs up. I got a band called Eskimo Callboy. Um, a little, a little weird. I wasn't, I didn't really listen to them fully. I, I, I got turned off almost, in, not immediately, but there was, there was something off about it. I wasn't a fan, a hundred percent. I mean, I might, on a second listen, I might like it a little bit more, but on initial listen, wasn't drawn in right away. Was it metal? Yeah, it was metal, uh, like a metal core band, but there was like a little bit of like electronica involved in it, and it was just, there was just something, maybe it was my mood that day that wasn't striking me. It was just wasn't good. For me. You weren't moody enough. Um, next up, uh, Ishan from Emperor. He has a new EP out. Very good. Very much in his continuing along his more proggy stuff. Uh, so you could put him on a playlist with like Latter Day Opeth and fucking Catatonia and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it would fit quite well. Very good. Uh, Messiah, their new album was very good. Bank Hole Uniform from New York City was, uh, was pretty good. Um, Aborted Fetus, <laughs> fucking just love the name right away. Big fan of that one. That was a good one. I tried to listen to the Neil Morse record, mm-hmm. but I got to a track. I don't remember what it's called, but he started singing about Jesus, and it turned off. I was like, I'm done. Can't do it. Can't fucking do it. Yeah. Uh, let me pull up the one from the week before, which is 9-4. Uh, of course, the new Oceans of Slumber record, which I adored. Yeah. Really good. Cult of Lilith was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Dead Lord was all right. And Minor, which is the uh, new product for uh, from Phil Anselmo, very good. Very good. Uh, let's see. The Pineapple Thief, they were more of a hard rock band, not 100% into them, and that was pretty much it from the week before. So, yeah. But that was a pretty good week. Pretty, pretty good two weeks of, uh, of music there. Okay. I have no new album releases because um, I haven't listened to them yet gotcha um now we have so i i got i received a copy of napalm death i mm. have i have that physical copy now yeah I have that queued up ready to go for next week yeah so i have that that came out on friday um uh i think we also got a we also got a, a pre-release copy of arion oh shit um but well, i mean that comes another, out next week right not another copy of it but like uh we got it. We got it through skateboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I haven't listened to it, and I likely won't because I'm I'm working on ten board reviews. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But we also have access now to the new Heathen record, uh, which is thrash metal uh, from Nuclear Blast, which I haven't listened to yet. I downloaded it today. But also, we have an early copy of the new Cataclysm album. Oh shit! So I can, I can you can probably cue that up or something. Cool. Side uh, bike. Yeah. And uh, so, as far as anything new, no. I've just been doing a lot of 10-word reviews as far as... Yeah, I was going to say, as for going into the next section, what else we've we been listening to? A lot of 10-word review bands. Yeah. I also got into a, a little bit of a mood where I, I decided to... I have certain go-tos as far as albums go, mm-hmm. that if I'm not in a mood to listen to anything new or if I don't know what I want to listen to, I just go back and fall back on these. Yeah. So what I decided to do instead of that is I decided to pick a different album from the same band. So I've been jockeying that band Kown, or whatever the fuck they're called, from yeah. Russia for, for five years now. Uh, I listened to one of their other records. Mm-hmm. Um, I also did the same thing for The Ocean. And the cool thing about Spotify is that some of their, some of the, uh, their, those particular bands 
they have albums where they release only the instrumentals, which are really cool, especially when I'm reading. Uh, but that was interesting. Endorse us. <laughs> <laughs> that was very cool. Uh, so I've been trying to kind of break out of like the uh, the norm there with like my go-to bands, but like with like different albums. Um, but as far as that, and then it, we just get into our albums of the day from here. Yeah. All right. So we got uh, Ed Minor, of course, and that album is called When the Cold Truth Has Worn Its Miserable Welcome Out. I'm not sure if How you... How miserable. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't... Did you... You might have... Uh, Dragon Force. That was Dragon Force for you that day? Yeah. Okay. All right, then the next one, I listened to Cult of Lilith, their new record, and what was yours that day? Was that um, King Diamond? Is it uh, Abigail? Yeah. That's me. Okay. Then the next one, I'm having, I, have a, I have a feeling that Napalm Death was you that day. Um, what album was it? Uh, Apex Predator. Oh, yeah, that was me. Okay, and then Necrot, their newest record, that was me. Then I listened to uh, Venomous Concept, which is the side project of one of the guys from Napalm Death. And uh, I think you did ACDC, Highway to Hell? Yes. Okay. I went, uh, I finally finished reading the uh, biography of Bon Scott. Oh, okay, and, cool. And I went back and listened to that album. Nice. Uh, your next one was Alan Landing. Yes. The Great Divide. Mm-hmm. And I listened to Mastodon's Medium Rarities, of course. Follow that up, I listened to the new Skeletal Remains album while you listened to Poison Black, uh, yes. Lust, Sustain, oh, Despair. Very good record. Such remember good. that. Um, I listened to the new EP from Ishan, Pharaohs. And what was yours that day? Show me the ministry. Choice. Ministry. Yeah. Speaking ministry. of ministry, I, uh, I heard their, their latest album. Their old stuff's better. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next up, I had Messiah, their new record, and then you had Jessica. Yes. Uh, then we had, I listened to Aborted Fetus, and you had the Flower Kings. Yes. Very cool. Yes, very, very proggy. Uh, next up, you listened to some Celtic Frost, and I listened to Uniform. And that rounded out our week, yeah. our last two weeks yeah. on albums of the day. I just, on a whim, bought one of the last two Celtic Frost albums I needed. They are a good band. Well, they were a good band. Yeah. Are we ready to move on? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't have anything else to discuss. Like I said, 10-word reviews. We are working Randy. hard on those. They're coming up pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, pretty fast, so. Yeah, so we, we got one coming out Wednesday, folks. Be ready. And I should be able to record our next one by the end of next week. Yeah. Bi-weekly. I was going to say by the, by, I think, um. Probably by next Sunday when we do um, the next tries video. Cool. Sounds I should good. be able to do that. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't be a bad idea if you came over to my place, recorded it, and then we went and picked up our barbecue. That sounds good. Sounds like a good idea. All Planning right. on the shred check. <laughs> you are now part of our brainstorming issues. Absolutely. You're, right. part, you're part of the chat now. Obituaries, unfortunately, have to start off our first... Uh, our first bit here. Always with the downside. Yeah, well, we try to get it out of the way. All right, so we got Sidney McRae, a.k.a. Sid Mack, the original lead singer and co-founder of the legendary punk rock band Bad Brains, passed away on September 9th. No cause of death has been revealed. Wow. Didn't somebody else from Bad Brains pass away a few months ago? No, I think... Maybe? 
No, I remember their current lead singer uh, had like brain cancer a couple yeah, of years ago. Okay, that, that's and it. he's been on the path to recovery since then. Okay, yeah, that that's be been their issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and last but not least, here is former obit in obituaries is former Ozzy Osbourne and Uriah Heep uh, drummer Lee Kirk's Kerslake. 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 He passed away after a long battle with cancer. Uh, just this past weekend, and he was seventy-three years old. Yeah. He was uh, he was the first two albums, at least the first album for sure. I'm fairly certain. Outlived by Ozzy, everyone will be outlived by Ozzy. General news. General news. UK's Sky Arts will air a new documentary in which Foo Fighters main man Dave Grohl and ACDC singer Brian Johnson will discuss their careers. Brian Johnson meets Dave Grohl will premiere on September 17th and we'll see the duo coming together at Grohl's Studio 606 in Southern California. An official synopsis reads, It's a meeting of rock legends as ACDC frontman Brian Johnson meets Foo Fighters lead singer and former Nirvana drummer Dave Grohl at the Foo's LA studio to share stories about life on the road. Sky Arts will become free to air later this month, allowing all viewers to watch it at no extra cost. Woot. This is, a, again, in the UK. Oh, well, yeah. either way, it's just going to be funny. It's like, Dave Grohl, how does it feel to have written the greatest song in the world? <laughs> the well, this is just a tribute. <laughs> that, unites all, that unites all space and time. What are you doing in my house? <laughs> That's uh, such a good movie. Yeah. All right. Mission 2 Entertainment has announced the signing of Brave the Cold. The band's debut album, Scarcity, is scheduled for release on October 2nd. Yeah. Fronted by longtime Napalm Death member Mitch Harris and Megadeth drummer Dirk Verburen. Uh, yeah. Verburen, okay. Uh, Brave the Cole is a two-piece formed in 2018 as the two metal conglomerates focus their energies into a new level of aggression. The culmination is Scarcity, an 11-track collection of ferociousness breathing much-needed life into the heavy music scene of 2020. The disc was produced by uh, Logan Mater, who has previously worked with Gojira, Fear Factory, Cavalera Conspiracy, and Wasp, among others. That sounds like fun. Yeah, it does. It does. All right. We're going to call this one Hashtag Too Soon. Quiet Riot has announced plans to continue less than a month after the death of the band's drummer, Frankie Benali. The veteran rockers revealed their plans to carry on a social media post on Wednesday... Uh, probably about two weeks ago, they wrote Quiet Riot 2020-2021 because life goes on. It was Frankie Benali's wish that the band continue and we keep the music and the legacy alive. Bassist Chuck Wright has been in the band off and on since 1981 and played on not only on the song Metal Health, but many other Quiet Riot albums. Guitarist Alex Grassi has been in the band since 2004, touring and recording. Singer Jizzy Pearl has been a member of the Quiet Riot family since 2013. And drummer John Kelly, Danzig Typo Negative, has been doing a great job filling in on drums this past year with Frankie's Blessing. So we've talked about this before with Kiss specifically, mm-hmm. that a band will continue on without any original members, which I think this is the case. I mean... They're not that big of a band anyway. I, I, I get it. And probably there's also another version of Quiet Riot, because I think they were still in a, a fucking like thing about it. I don't know. but still, No, that's Rat. It's Rat. Yeah. But still, too soon. 
The guy just passed away. Let like you know the the body get cold, guys. All right, Iced Earth founder, songwriter, guitarist, and producer John Schaefer has shot down speculation that former Iced Earth vocalist Matt Barlow is returning to the band. Well, yeah, I mean he's just doing the Winter Project. Yeah, but the thing is, when things like that happen, there's Ever. always that speculation. Yeah, of course. Especially now, like you got Matt Barlow and John Schaefer doing something, and Mike Portnoy was just on John Petrucci's album, and they plan on touring together. So there's always that kind of speculation. All right, because there was more than one entry at this particular topic, I had to make a, a whole new headline. And it's called, So Let It Be Written. And it's about books. Oh, cool. Okay, books. All right. So Twisted Sister guitarist J.J. French has revealed plans to release a book called Twisted Business in 2021. He will also launch his very own podcast, The French Connection. I love it. <laughs> French has four decades of experience as a manager, guitarist, and director of licensing, publishing, and touring for Twisted Sister. He is also a keynote and motivational speaker, reinvention expert, and entrepreneur, as well as the founder of the Pink Burst Project, a nonprofit. Most recently, French wrote a bi-weekly column for Inc. Magazine's website for nearly six years. Inc. Magazine is probably a tattoo thing, right? No. It's actually I-N-C dot, so incorporated. Ah, it's a business. Yeah, business. Business. Judas Priest and Rufus Publications have announced the publication of the first ever official Judas Priest book documenting the band's extensive history over the last 50 years. Titled Judas Priest, 50 Heavy Metal Years, the book has been put together by David Silver, Ross Halfin, and Jane Andrews. This huge 648-page coffee table book chronicles the history of the world's foremost heavy metal band using hundreds of previously unseen, unpublished photographs from rock's greatest photographers, including Halfin, Neil Zolorer, Mark Weiss, Finn Costello, Oliver Halfin, and many more. With a linking text by renowned journalist Mike, uh, Mark Blake, the book explores the band's exciting history on stage and off in a unique photo documentary designed to excite fans and devotees of true heavy metal the world over. Current band members have all contributed to the book with written pieces detailing their love and passion for the band, making this an extraordinary artifact for their legions of followers. The book, fe- uh, the book features an exclusive cover by Mark Wilkinson, who has worked with the band for many years now. Comes off the heels of uh, the official autobiography of Rob Halford, yeah, which, in which I totally want to read. Apparently, he he admitted to trying to seduce Paul Diano, Paul Diano of yep. uh, Iron Maiden. Yep. Very interesting. Black Veil Bride singer Andy, whatever, long-awaited memoir. They don't need to understand stories of hope, fear, family life, and never giving in. Will arrive on December eighth via Rare Bird Books. I. I just wanted to throw it in because it was a book thing. Was it really long awaited? I don't know. How long have they been around? I was going to say they haven't been around for that long. I mean, 50 years of fucking heavy metal by Priest. Yeah, I was going to say, I sure as hell ain't So this guy's like, you know, 50 minutes of like whatever. All right. So that's it for Let It So Let It Be Written. Hopefully we can continue with that headline. Because the last time I made a new headline, I didn't get any new news. All right. Well,. We can always look out for books. Actually, sure. there's another book that came out recently as well, aside from the Halford book. Um, it's uh, it's the story behind the making of Rust in Peace. Yes, I think we mentioned that because um, Dave Mustaine is going on a book tour, a mm-hmm. virtual book tour of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so not spreading the disease, nothing. Okay. He's the one they call Dr. Feel not so good. 
Seven Dust singer Lejean Witherspoon has been admitted to the emergency room after he cut himself with a knife. Lejean took to his Instagram Monday, September 14th to share a photo of him at St. Luke's Hospital of Kansas City and include the following message. Accidents do happen. He says, I can't believe that I'm in the ER. I'm in the ER. Everyone, thanks everyone at St. Luke's. Haven't been in an emergency room since 1975. He cut his finger with a Swiss Army knife. Got stitches and all. I'd like to hear how. Right? Like, I still want to know the story behind over-enthusiastic gardening. Of course. <laughs> From Absolutely. fucking Brian and May. I want to know what the fuck that means. Yeah. All right. I'm getting better. I think I'll go for a walk. All right. Back in March, it was announced that all of White Snake's previously announced touring activities, including the U.S.'s U, uh, the summer's U.S. trek with Sammy Hagar and the Circle and Night Ranger, were being canceled, so that frontman David Coverdale could undergo surgery for bilateral in in junal inguinal hernia. I don't know. Uh, anyway, in a new tweet, Coverdale offered an update on his condition, saying that he was able to get the operation at the renowned facility in his hometown of Reno, Nevada. This past May, it was announced that Renown was resuming limited medical and surgical procedures following more than six weeks of suspension due to efforts to limit the spread of the coronavirus. So he's doing better. I, I would assume so from the from the headline of the... Yeah. Uh, He'll go for a walk. Our, our hashtag. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No one's breaking the law. Metallica hasn't broken anything recently. But there is some feuding. F-f-f-feuding. So drummer Jermaine Kling, who's previously worked in Venom Incorporated, The Absence, and Gorgang, and guitarist Taylor Nordberg, who's worked with The Absence and Gorgang, have announced a departure from the veteran Florida death metal band Massacre. The duo had joined the group less than a year ago and were said to be working on Massacre's fourth studio album at their own Smoke and Mirrors Productions in Spring Hill, Florida. Kling and Nurberg said in a joint statement, it is with both regret and relief that we announce our departure from Massacre. And now it continues in the article. Oh, there's more. Oh, man. Okay. It says, To everyone who warned us a year ago when we joined the band, you were right. It has been a year of severe ups and downs, and unfortunately has become a working environment we cannot be a part of any longer. What was presented as a uh, democracy turned out to be a dictatorship with an excruciating lack of communication. We will not stand by and have our reputations meddled with by childish behavior. We present ourselves as professionals and bring 110% of our beings into all of the projects we have. We wrote and presented 14 songs for the band's new album, provided our contacts in the industry which we have naturally organically produced through our years of touring, only to be abused by trying to take over the band, which is a paranoid delusion. Only to be accused of trying to take over the band. It is also unfortunate that a certain individual refused to speak on the phone to us to discuss any issue of the band, but we have no choice but to bow out of this unhealthy relationship. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It's yeah. Some cold words right there. Yeah. Apparently, it's uh, due like they said. We we cherish our time spent with Michael Borders, who is the founding bassist. I wish him the best of luck in his future endeavors. However. This new band was supposed to be. This new album was supposed to feature um, original vocalist Cam Lee. Apparently, it's all about Lee. Lee is the big problem here. Mm-hmm. So it is. Yeah. Wish I had my clips. That guy's a douche. That guy's a douche. So, feuding, feuding, feuding. But there hasn't been any follow up from Massacre. So who knows what the the deal is on their end? But that is 
that one. Mm. All right. Nothing for alcoholica this evening. Okay. Merchandising, though. Okay. The popular vinyl collectible company Funko, best known for his big-headed pop figures, has released its latest artist collaboration, legendary heavy metal singer Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Mm. The figure is inspired by Ozzy's latest album, Ordinary Man, and is exclusive to Hot Topic. Ozzy previously collaborated with Funko back in 2011, but that figure has been out of production for years and reportedly fetches high prices on the second-hand market. I'm going to go for Ozzy. I only have one. You have Alice Cooper, right? I have Alice Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. And that one was like a a must-buy. It was also like, when I went to that, when I it was at a, like a toy and game thing, Uh and it was like cheaper than everything else there, so I was like, okay, that sounds like a sign. (laughs) It was made for me. Yeah. Alright, on October 15th, Relapse.com will release a Death Spiritual Healing Double Bobblehead. This limited edition, 7-inch tall, resin, hand-numbered bobblehead figure comes together with the Spiritual Healing LP on Custom Butterfly Effect LP, both exclusive to this package. It is extremely limited to 500 units, both the double bobblehead and the vinyl colorway. Speaking of death, yesterday while we were out, I was listening to um, their album Symbolic, but done by a synthwave band, and it was awesome. You and your your synthwave. Hey, listen, if it's good, it's good. Okay? All right, last but not least here for merchandising... Uh, Puck Hockey, and that's hockey without an O, whatever. It's the hockey-themed fashion brand has now forged a relationship with Motley Crue to deliver a new collection of items. The Motley Crue and Puck Hockey collection includes many pro-level quality hockey-themed items like crested hockey jerseys, pullover and zip-up hoodies, flannels, uh, ragland shirts, t-shirts, and hats. I wish I did it for a better band. Just... I didn't think that many people liked Motley Crue. I, I, I don't think so much that people do. I think it's more of a, like a fashion thing. Like people wearing Slayer t-shirts, but never listening to the band. Mm. You know, it's just a thing. Same thing with Metallica. They're, it's merchandise. It's branding. Alright, so like I said before, I made a new thing for I'm Puzzled, for puzzles, and no new puzzles are coming out! Fuck! Womp, 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 womp. Hey, listen, I had enough of the want wants for my son. Yeah. This weekend, okay? <laughs> he was giving you all the want-wants. <laughs> my frisbee throwing skills aren't what they used to be, and I got a lot of want-wants, okay? I, I mean, it's fair to say that the tree caught a lot of them. You know, because someone was hiding under the tree, douchebag. I was catching Pokemon. <laughs> all right, some recording news here. Mm-hmm. Jeff Scott Soto will release his new solo album, Wide Awake in My Dreamland, on November 6th via Frontiers Music. The follow-up to 2017's Retribution was co-written and produced by Frontiers Music uh, in-house producer Alessandro Del Vecchio. Macabre will release their first full-length album in almost 10 years, Carnival of Killers, on November 13th via Nuclear Blast Records. Who? Macabre? Macabre. Hate Breed will release their new album, Weight of the False Self, on November 27th via Nuclear Blast. Very cool. I'm excited for that. 
Dark Tranquility released their new album, Moment, on November 20th via Central Media. Sounds like November's going to be a month. So, no, yeah, closing out 2020 with a bang. Yeah. Be nice. Oh, man, we're getting close to that Black Friday sale from Nuclear Blast. Yeah, you, yeah. That's your fucking sploosh all over the world. <laughs> it's like, hey, Merry Christmas to me. It's a gift from me to me for being such a good boy this year. <laughs> I love that bit. Um, Annette Olsen has confirmed that she is working on the long-awaited follow-up to her debut solo LP, Shine, which was released in March of 2014 via Ear Music. Ramstein have reportedly entered uh, returned to La Fabrique Studios to work on new music. According to Ramstein World, various members of the band and its crew have been spotted in Saint Remy de Provence in the south of France, where the studio is located. Other people who usually accompany Ramstein to the studio have also posted about their trip to France on social media. This past June, Ramstein drummer Christoph Schneider confirmed that the band was using the coronavirus downtime to work on new music. I mean, it's not hard for them. A lot of their stuff kind of sounds very similar. Whatever. Their last record was fun, so. Oh yeah, it's always it's always fun. Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll, I'll fucking listen to it all day. Tony Martin's pre-Black Sabbath band, The Alliance, will reunite after more than three decades to record some of its early, mostly previously unreleased material. Woot. You've been looking for some Tony Martin. I just need some Tony Martin in general. You need, you've been looking for some Tony Martin. And oh my god, like the closest thing I have is Astral Doors. So there you go. Uh, Sodom will release their new album, Genesis 19, on November 27th via SPV Steam Hammer. Genesis 19 will be made available uh, as a CD digipack version, two LP gatefold version, exclusive bundle versions with mask, only at the Steam Hammer shop, and download and streamable. Pussifer will release its fourth studio album, As Existential Reckoning, on October 30th via Alchemy Records, which is a partnership with BMG. Alchemy Records is a new record label created in partnership with Dino, Dino Paredes, who is a former American Recordings Vice President of A&R, and Danny Wimmer, who is the founder of Danny Wimmer Presents, the premier production company for, uh, for rock music festivals in the United States. Pussifer is the, the manager of James Keenan band, isn't it? Yes, one of them, one of them. They're a lot of fun. They do a really, really good cover of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. They call it the OG cover because it sounds pretty much exactly spot on from the original. How dare you. It's very good. How dare you. Hey, they also do a really good cover of Balls to the Wall by Accept. Okay. It doesn't sound anything like the original, but it's really fucking good. I can live with that. Uh... I'm a hero. I'm a hero. I'm going to go with that. It's the musical collaboration between Frederick Lecroc, uh, for, of creator and formerly of Dragon Force. He was their bassist. And Saki, a uh, female guitarist from uh, Maria's Blood and Nemophilia, released its self-titled debut album on November 27th via Ear Music in Europe and the United States and Ward Records in Japan. Interestingly enough, it looks like it could be fun. They look. They, I think. Um, I think the the bass from Dragon Force is playing guitar in it, mm-hmm. and it looks like it's just going to be a fucking shredder. So it's going to be fun. Woot. And last but not least, probably not metal, but just because she's related, Amy Osborne, the eldest daughter of Ozzy and Sharon, have announced her debut album, The Care at a Mare. Uh, it's going to be released under the A R O banner. I'm guessing that those are her initials. 
The album, Latin for To Be Free and Loved, is due out October 30th on Make Records. Cool, I guess. Yeah. Again, just because she's related, that's why we're talking about it. Mm. All right. Ready for some live shit? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Ginger will release the audio recordings from one of the last metal shows played on the planet before the global COVID-19 lockdown. Their ferocious, sold-out Melbourne, Australia performance on March 5th, 2020. The live album, Alive in Melbourne, features stunning artwork by gifted Ginger fan Gabriel uh, Nicoletti. Includes 17 tracks in total and will be made available on November 20th via Napalm Records. Cool. Regrind, replay, rebound, reissued. Pantera, reinventing the steel. Loads of details here from the fucking article. All right. Are you ready? I'm going to read the whole fucking thing, probably. Uh, so they say their final opus, Reinvent the Steel, represented a recommitment to everyone, to everything the band loved, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so they will celebrate the 20th anniversary with two new versions that feature an unreleased mix of the album by longtime producer Terry Date. So the first is Reinvent the Steel 20th Anniversary Edition, a three-CD set that includes a newly remastered version of the original album and a selection of rarities. A major highlight is a new mix by Terry Date, the legendary producer who was behind the console for the band's previous four landmark albums, which we all know and love. The set will be released on October 30th and will also be available through digital and streaming services. Three of Date's new mixes, Revolution Is My Name, Death Rattle, and We'll Grind That Axe for a Long Time, are available already digitally. Reinventing the Steel 20th Edition will also be released as a double LP set on silver vinyl that features the new Terry Date mix on one album, plus eight rare bonus tracks making their vinyl debut on the other. Limited to 5,000 copies, the 180-gram audiophile vinyl collection comes in an embossed foil jacket and will be available on January 8th. There you go. Cool, but I mean, I mean, could do it to a better album. Yeah, well, it's just celebrating an anniversary, bud. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for the good that men and women do? I mean, is there a lot? No, just the one. Okay. Uh, Live Nation announced several initiatives to encourage civic engagement and support access to voting in the 2020 elections. These initiatives include using Live Nation-owned concert venues as polling places, providing employees with paid time off to vote, incentivizing employees to serve on, as poll workers, and partnering with organizations on voter access and educational efforts. Live Nation is working with local officials to, exam- to examine the feasibility of using more than 100 Live Nation venues across the country as polling places. To date, the Wiltern and Hollywood Palladium in Los Angeles, Emos in Austin, and the Buckethead Theater in Atlanta are confirmed to serve as polling sites in their respective jurisdictions. And the Fillmore has been offered with warm reception to serve its local neighborhood in Philadelphia and is in the final stages of the vetting process. That is cool. I like that. Yeah. So as much crap as we give Live Nation for their skyrocketing prices, um, they have done some good in the last year. Uh, They did this. And of course, they have their Live Nation, uh, Crew Nation, uh, supporting of the crews that they have working for them, mm-hmm. while the entertainment business is pretty much down. Yep. All right. Crowdfunding tracker. I have none. I have one. Okay. Um, this one is for Fear Factory. Really? Yes. What do they need? 
Fear Factory has launched a GoFundMe campaign for its long-awaited new album. The disc, which features Dino Cazares on guitar and bass, Burton C. Bell on vocals, and Mike Heller on drums, is tentatively due in 2021 via Nuclear Blast Entertainment. The effort is being produced by Damien uh, Damien Reynard, Reynard and Fear Factory and will be mixed by Andy Sneap. Now, let's see. I think a lot of this has to do, the GoFundMe thing has to do, any money raised above our goal, okay, hold on. The money raised from our GoFundMe campaign is going to be used to pay the production team working on the new album, including our producer, mixing and mastering engineer, live recorded drums, and artwork. That's what this is for. Any money raised above our goal will then go towards producing new music videos for the upcoming album, which we are excited to get underway, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so they have a goal of $25,000. Really? Yes. That's pretty low. Uh, they have raised 19676 so far. Um, another main thing that's going on here is that apparently there's there have been a lot of lawsuits going on with Fear Factory. I think... Do, having to do with tr- uh, trademark or stuff like that, so people are worried or or expecting that this is a scam, that he's just trying to raise money, that Dino's trying to raise money for his, his legal bills. <laughs> um, but apparently, everything's done uh, with this lawsuit. So that's why he's able to do this. He now one hundred percent owns the Fear Factory name. Mm-hmm. He is one hundred percent Fear Factory now. So anybody he just, anything he decides to do, it's his decision. And the funny thing about it is that. Even while this is going on, meanwhile, Burton C. Bell has distanced himself from the upcoming release of the long-awaited new Fear Factory album, saying that his priority is his ascension of the Watchers Project. On Friday, September 11th, Fear Factory guitarist Dino uh, Carreras issued a statement clarifying the reasons for launching a GoFundMe campaign to assess him with the production cost associated with the release of the new LP. Earlier that same day, Bell who has fronted the group since its inception, posted a message on his official Facebook and Instagram saying that he is, quote, not part of and isn't, quote, benefiting from any GoFundMe campaign. He added the hashtag, uh, hashtag Fear Factory. This led to confusion among some of the Fear Factory fans, especially since Dino had already indicated that Bell's lead vocals would be featured on the upcoming record. So there seems to be a little confusion as to what's going on. But the last I saw was that Dino owns the name, Burton's on the album. Um, this GoFundMe is for the album itself. So, we'll see what happens. Here comes old business. <laughs> right? Or or feuding. Yeah. Any, any second now. Yeah, seriously. I mean, Dino's already left Fear Factory before, so... Right? And now he owns it, yeah. which is weird. So, all right. Is there any shit that you want? Oh, I want something, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. I there mean, it is. I, 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 I'm, I'm, making, I'm making that sweet overtime money, so. There it is. Yeah, okay. I don't, go back, I don't go back to not doing overtime until, until next month, so. There it is. Yeah, but got my sweet CD rack and everything. It is, All right. It's sexy. So with that in mind. Are you ready for concert news? Uh, yes. So I have a new headline here. Oh, great! Called at the drive-in. You're going to have more headlines one day than we have uh, than we have actual news. Well, eventually we'll be able to, to, to probably eliminate some of these, as like you know, you know, we won't be worrying about spreading the disease, or we won't be ha- having drive-in concerts. 
So this one's called At the Drive-In. And if that band doesn't take advantage of the situation, I'm going to be very upset. You know where that, that, that band name came from? No. A Poison song. Fuck Poison. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, way to ruin that. Anyway, at the drive-in. Brett Michaels, my podcast up. On Saturday, October 10th, Guar will return to the flaming remnants of Richmond, Virginia for a special drive-in show. The concert is set to take place at the Diamond, located at 3001 North Arthur Ashe Boulevard. This is a drive-in show with social distancing measures in effect. Lots for the show will open up at 8.30 p.m. local time, and the show starts at 9.45 p.m. local time. Tickets went on sale on September 11th. Beartooth has announced a safe and socially distanced drive-in concert that will take place in the um, Menomini, Menomini, whatever, uh, Nation Arena parking lot in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. The one-night-only and one-of-a-kind show is set for Friday, October 9th, and will be, will be presented by WZOR. Where's our... All right. From the comfort of your home, to celebrate the release day of his first ever solo album, Corey Taylor has announced that he and his band will make history on October 2nd with Forum or Against Them. Wow. And it's Forum as in F-O-R-U-M. Wow. I I thought you'd appreciate that. Wow. That was pretty good, actually. But the fact that I had explained it kind of sucks. Like, if you read it, it would have been so much easier. Anyway. If you weren't in excruciating pain, you'd find it hilarious. <laughs> Getting the swing of things, Dan. <laughs> a global streaming event of epic proportions shot at iconic Los Angeles venue, The Forum. Oh, that makes more sense now. Now that I'm reading it for real. Instead of just copying and pasting it. Tickets for this historic pay-per-view streaming event are on sale now from watch.thecoreytaylor.com. Fans can also purchase ticket bundles that include a t-shirt, hoodie, poster, and access to watch an exclusive Taylor acoustic set. A limited number of one-on-one video chats with Corey are also available with some bundles. Forum or Against Them will be a full arena production complete with a visual feast of pyrotechnics, a stacked set list featuring all tracks from CMFT, Select fan favorite cuts from Taylor's Slipknot and Stone Sour catalogs, a handful of covers, and an incendiary guest performance from Rock and Roll, uh, Rock and Roll Girl Gang Dance Squad, The Cherry Bombs, which I believe Corey Taylor's wife is a member of. Special event merch and bundles will be available during the stream. Kicking off the event's festivities will be a special pre-show event hosted by presenter journalist Bez or Bees, that will feature exclusive interviews and behind-the-scenes footage. Cool. So it sounds kind of cool. I mean, I I can't say I have much of an interest personally, but cool. Yeah. All right. Festival news. Amazingly enough. Hold on. Judas Priest, who are celebrating their 50th anniversary, will headline the first ever Orlando Metal Festival, fueled by Monster Energy. Orlando takes place Saturday, September 11th, 2021, at the Orlando Amphitheater at Central Florida Fairgrounds in Orlando, Florida. Joining Jewish Priest at the event will be Sabaton, Lacuna Coil, Soil, uh, Soul, bleh, Soulfly, Mush, uh, Mushroom Head, and Uncured. Okay, not bad. Right? Not, not bad. bad. Alright, there's no touring news, of course. 
And we have some one-offs here. Okay. Uh, Bodum After Midnight, the new band launched by ex-children of Bodum guitarist, vocalist Alexi Lehu, will make his live debut at a pair of club shows in Finland next month. In their hometown country of Finland, less than 400 deaths have been recorded since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, with the latest number of cases of infection per 100,000 people at just over 10. Lucky. Right. All right, that's it for concert news. All right. Heavy metal in the charts. Oh, here we go. Well, we have a noteworthy point first. Three singles from Killswitch Engage have reached new sales milestones in the U.S. My Curse has been certified platinum by the RIAA on September 10th for accumulating a million certified units. That same day, the end of Heartache and Killswitch's cover of the Dio classic Holy Diver were both certified gold for accumulating half a million units. That is cool. All right. Of course, we know that Queen is number one on the Hard Rock albums. Last week, Metallica was, in fact, number four with the release of S&M 2. Mm. And now let's go into this week's charts. Top five. Number one, new album from Big Sean. Detroit 2, it's called. Okay. Number two is a band called Pop Smoke. Their album, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon. Oh, that's, uh, that's a rapper. Okay. That dude. Number three, Juice World, Legends Never Die. Number four, new album from 6ix9ine, Tattletales. Which is funny, because isn't he the one that ratted out his friends to get out of jail? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty funny. That's, that's very meta. All right, and number five is Taylor Swift, Folklore. Still in the top five after several weeks. Yep. Several weeks. She was at number one last week, actually, still. Hmm. Incredible. And just for people who know about my obsession with Hamilton, I haven't been listening to him as often, so he's down to number six. I, I like how you refer to to the play as he and him, like it's God. Well, no, because it's written by one dude. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, now we are scrolling. What the fuck? What? Really weird and out of left field. A re-entry into the charts the, by the Rolling Stones, Goat's Head Soup, number 19. What? I'm number, sure I have that album. I need to see what's on it. Number 19, the Rolling Stones, Goat's Head Soup, re-entry into the top 200. There what is. the fuck happened last week? Did somebody die? Right, is there another reaction video, like, with the fucking, in the air tonight? Like, what the fuck? Alright, but we are scrolling now. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Queen's Greatest Hits is up to uh, number 29. Okay. Number 29. Where it belongs. Metallica, S&M 2. Number 36. Okay. Number 36, making that, that sharp fall after after a couple weeks here. So metal goes. Yep. Elton John's Diamonds, number 41. 41. Best of Bob Marley and the Whalers, number 43. Meh. Best of fucking Credence Clearwater Revival, number 46. Apparently, I think um, that might have to do with, I think Trump is using it as a campaign song. Yes. yes. Despite the fact that they John don't... John Fogarty disowned yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but also, you 
figure that maybe this is some some latter day effects of Labor Day. Also yeah. true. So. Also true. Labor Day barbecues and things of that nature. Yeah. Also true. Because I would also explain why Fleetwood Mac is at number forty nine with rumors up from sixty. Journey's Greatest Hits is at number 62 from 73. Tom Petty Heartbreakers, number 72 from 86. You're disappointing me again. Right, what, what do you expect from me? Hey, Back in Black, number 85 from 99. Back in Black. Beatles 1, number 90 from 102. The new album from fucking Striper, Even the Devil Believes, debuting at number 92. Damn. Damn. Damn, Jesus got a hold of you all. Striper. Coming out of nowhere. Appetite for Destruction, number 101 from 131. Abbey Road from the Beatles at 102 from 111. Leonard Skinner, Greatest Hits, 105 from 132. Zach Brown Band. Why you gotta bring up things that don't matter? (laughs) I know you hate the Eagles. No, (laughs) Eagles one eighteen from one forty seven. They're greatest hits. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the Eagles. I got like a song or two. Very best of the Beach Boys one twenty seven from one fifty six. Never mind from one thirty from one thirty (sighs) five. The Essential Billy Joel, 133. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Greatest Hits is at 140. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Seger, The Silver Bullet Band, Greatest Hits, 146. Essential Elvis Presley, 147. Ultimate Sinatra, 152. I got a biography on him. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's one of the things I got at Goodwill. That's cool. Yeah. Bon Jovi, 153, Greatest Hits. Fleetwood Mac, Greatest Hits, 155. Hall and Oates, Greatest Hits, 157. Why you gotta bring that up? Because it's there, and I, I want to say I, something. I, I ask you again. Own, I like sound of my own voice. I ask you again. Why you gotta bring up things that don't matter? Five Finger Death Punch, Decade of Destruction, 165. Okay. Fucker. Getting into a lot of re-entries here yeah. from people we don't particularly care about. Not surprised there. Yep. Like, holy shit, like, the entire second half of the, like, re-entries is, like, yeah, whatever. Really nothing that, oh, Johnny Cash, the essential Johnny Cash, number 199. Oh, my God, it's probably, like, 20 songs out of, like, the 50 million that he has. Yeah, so there you go. That is our fucking unfortunate charts there. That is it. And now we have a discussion point today. Yes, we finally have a discussion. Yes. We, need get, we need to get back to doing that. We do gotta try, yes. Yeah, because uh, we, we've been having some short podcasts. Yes. <laughs> well, okay. So several weeks ago, Nikki Six of Motley Crue declared himself to be the most underrated bassist of all time. <laughs> underrated bassist of all time. So of course, MetalSucks.net, being the fucking lovely cynics they are. And wise asses. Uh, they put a poll together for their readers and asked, Who do you think is the most underrated basis of all time? And of course, basically everyone agrees it's not Nikki fucking Six. I would actually argue that 
Mick Mars is an underrated guitarist comparatively. Yeah. So, I mean, some of the some of the guitar work he does, like I love the I love the riff to Girls Girls Girls. It's so good. Yeah, I think yeah. All right. So you're ready for who people think are the most underrated bass players of all time? Now there's twelve, correct? There's ten. Ten. Technically, there's twelve because it's a three-way tie for number ten. Ah, uh, okay. Go ahead. Go all right, three-way tie for number ten. You got Dan Briggs of Between the Barrier and Me, Geezer Butler of Black Sabbath, and Billy Gould of Faith No More. And I highly agree that Geezer Butler is very underrated. So here's the problem that I have. Like, with bass, I feel like, just generally speaking, it never gets any attention. I think it depends on the band. Because mm-hmm. uh, I know that, um, like, for a band like Led Zeppelin, John Paul Jones got a lot of credit for where, for what he did in the band. But things I also have to think it was, like, beyond what he did on the bass. Because mm-hmm. he was also, I think, that he was the one who put the synthesizers, like, when they did that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the one who wrote like the string parts for like Cashmere. He was the one who played the mandolin. Blah 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 blah. He did all that multi instrumental stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in general, you're 100 percent right. The bass in metal doesn't get the credit it deserves. And I feel like Geezer is one of the ones who does kind of get a lot of, of credit because his his bass is pretty powerful. Yeah, I mean the, the opening fucking riff to NIB is fucking iconic. Yeah, but just generally speaking, like you know, like a lot of the early recordings. Which is, which is one of the amazing things. Like, there's like, the the remastered box set of the Black Sabbath albums was so great sonically <laughs> that it really had the bass coming across. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I have a friend of mine who texted me an NPR um, clip about the 50th anniversary of Paranoid, which just passed. Yes. And so I decided to go back and listen to Paranoid for the first time and for a long time. Yeah. And just the opening to War Pigs mm-hmm. and the oh, fucking yeah. that baseline on that. Oh yeah. Fucking bad ass. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm talking about. Oh man. So. But like, I, I like everyone when they when the thing is when you when you talk about the band Black Sabbath, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Ozzy and Tony Iommi. I typically think of guitar. Yeah. So. And then. When um, for like when you think about a band like Rush, <laughs> first thing is usually Neil Peart. But for some reason, the the second thing I think about is Geddy Lee and as a bass player, not necessarily as a singer, but as a bass player, he gets a lot of credit because he's very good. I'm not as familiar with with their catalog yet. I have oh. I have plenty of the albums, but like I haven't really sat there and just really listened in. Yeah. Well, the the good the thing about some of the some of the metal bassists is that usually there's like depending on the, the structure of the band, mm-hmm. which we come into a lot, is yeah. usually there's, like, the lead guitarist and the rhythm guitarist. Mm-hmm. So when, like, the lead guitarist does a solo, you still have the rhythm guitar filling in that gap, and the bass player typically plays whatever the rhythm guy is playing. Mm-hmm. But there are bands, like Black Sabbath, where there's one guitarist and one bassist. And when you, that and, the, and in, in, like, a live setting, you don't have a backup guitarist. Mm-hmm. So you have to have somebody to fucking lay down the fucking solid fucking... Um, Rhythm tracks, and even they even record it like that sometimes, um, and that's what Geezer Butler did, I think. The some of the best, yeah. You know, um, I don't know anything about Between the Buried and Maze. That, that's out. Yeah, and I'm um, not like, I really don't know like Faith No More. I know Faith No More's songs, but I'm not, like, I'm not familiar with like the bass lines of them or like. Listen to um, 
falling to pieces uh-huh. from the real thing. Like it's, it opens up with a baseline. It does a lot. Like he does a lot of like very omnipresent slap bass, uh-huh. but not to a, a particular a particularly like it's not to like Les Claypool's degree. Well, that's funny that you mentioned that because that uh, number nine is Les Claypool. How is he underrated? I don't know, but th- again, this is how people are voting. That's ridiculous. He's he's absolutely one of the names you think of when you think of bass. That's not underrated. Mm-hmm. I, I I would have to agree that he does not that he gets the credit he deserves. Yeah. He and he deserves it because he is fucking incredible. He he does things on the bass that like fucking just boggles the mind sometimes. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. just that fucking good. Yeah. It's ridiculous. All right, so number eight, underrated, Gene Simmons of Kiss. I don't pay enough attention to bass there. Neither do I, but, like, the only the only thing I can say is that when I was watching, when I was younger, watching the Kiss Unplugged, mm-hmm. you can hear the bass a lot more because everything's a lot more um, toned down as far as sonic, like, like loudness, mm-hmm. and I was actually kind of impressed by the way he played. Yeah, you know, he had a very s- strong rhythm, and he had a very he had a decent sound. He actually had some decent dexterity too, which yeah. I would not have expected. From yeah, him. it's not it's not saying that he's bad. I feel like he had more influence on just the general um, showing of the band. He, uh-huh. he his I like his voice. Um, his stage presence is great, mm-hmm. and his bass playing doesn't necessarily need to be optimal. He just needs to rock. Yeah, and he does that pretty well. Yeah, can't say he does it does it wrong. So, all right. So number seven. Remember, we're talking about underrated. Um, Let me kill Mister from Motorhead. I'd say so. I would say so too. I would say so too. Because everyone knows his voice. Yeah. But his his bass was always loud. Um, at, again, not necessarily skilled. Like, not necessarily sitting there and, and covering the fretboard with fire, but... God damn, did it sound good. Yeah, your your sound, you know, defines you. And I think he did more, like, I think his style was more power core style, which is not necessarily a bass style in general. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he just filled the soundboard. Yeah. Like, he just filled the space with sound. Yeah, he just did what he could to make noise. Yeah. So, so I thought, that I, I, I can agree with that so one. So, as a bass player, yeah, I'd say, like, you're, you're right. Um, Steve DeGirio of Testament and a billion other awesome bands, as they call it here. Um, he's fucking incredible watching him play, but, and he's one of those like go-to guys. Like when you need, if you want to put together like a a backing band for any kind of metal thing, you would probably go to this guy, Mike Portnoy and like James Hatfield for a fucking rhythm section. You know, uh, he's just that fucking good. And watching him play on the few times I've I've actually just watched like like a playthrough with him is fucking incredible to watch. Mm-hmm. But he's like like he's not like the name that comes to mind like a Les Claypool, mm-hmm. you know. So I think I would agree with him being underrated. See, excuse me. Like putting Les Claypool on that list would be like me saying that Steve Harris is underrated. I'm like, no, he's not. Well, that's funny that you mentioned that. We get to him. We'll get to him. All right? Let's just move on to okay. number five. Okay. Rex Brown of Pantera. I 100% agree with this. I can't say either way. I, I, I've... So we, we, talk, we just talked about how in most in the majority of metal bands, lead rhythm guitarist 
bass kind of just covers like the low end. Mm-hmm. Our majority of songs that Pantera recorded, they recorded it as a four piece band with just the guitar and the bass. So when Dimebag was off doing his thing, there was no typically there was no rhythm guitar behind him. He didn't he didn't double over. It was just Rex and fucking Vinnie Paul. And those two guys together, like listening to their fucking their rhythm behind a dime bag solo, it's fucking badass. And some of those bass lines that you listen to behind it are really fucking good. I always thought that he was very much underappreciated in that band. Mm. I think he really did hold down the rhythm while you thought about Phil fucking singing and Dimebag going off. Like he really did a goddamn good job of being the groundwork for that fucking band. Mm. So I highly agree. With Rex Brown. I'll have to take another listen. Yeah. Like, especially on some of the tracks from, like, Vulgar Display of Power. Well, well, like I said, while Dimebag's going off, listen to the rhythm tracks. If there's no rhythm guitar, if Dimebag didn't do a rhythm guitar part, listen for Rex Brown, because it's really fucking good. Uh, This one, this name comes up several times, and I've listened to a lot of his stuff. Uh, Alex Webster of Cannibal Corpse, Conquering Dystopia, Blotted Science, and many more. Um, Yeah, I can't say I know that one. Again, I think he he would fall under the under underrated ones because he's in a band like Cannibal Corpse, which like you know the the, the typical death metal um, joke about the bass not being heard, but he's one of the ones that you actually hear and fucking really enjoy because he's a, he's a, again another technical player. So I would agree with that one just because of the, the style that he's in. Mm-hmm. Number three is Steve Harris. Skip. Just I don't. Everyone knows he's he's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know why it's on there. Number two is Ryan Martini of Mudvayne. I would say so, because I, I feel like Mudvayne never, like, they because they, they only had so many albums, they didn't really get a chance to really explore what they could do. And, and, and honestly, like, when you listen to some of the fucking, the bass lines on, the, on, on specifically LD50, it's fucking incredible. Oh, yeah. He is a monster fucking... Uh, bass player. It's incredible to watch him live. He has such great presence. Yeah. And you watch his skill in action, and it's amazing. And then listening to his jazz project that he has, mm-hmm. it just it just compounds his fucking skill. Yeah. He is an incredible bass player. Yeah. Um, God damn it, just so fucking good. Yeah. And the number one most underrated bass player of all time is Jason fucking Newstead of Metallica. I agree. I agree. I think he did. A, I think he did, especially after Justice for All. He did a lot for that band. Uh, of course, he's not Cliff. I mean, whatever. But I think he did a lot for that band on the low end on his, on his albums that he was on mm-hmm. after and Justice for All. Specifically, um, some of the work he did on uh, like My Friend of Misery, um, just giving that low end to things like uh, um, Don't Tread on Me. Um, his work on Load was really fucking good. I think I think he just he brought a, another different sound to the band that kind of filled it out in the '90s, mm-hmm. and I definitely think he doesn't get enough credit for that. I I don't have much to say on this one, so you know he's also I, I think his energy for the band when he was in it was very high, which is good. Yeah. Huge stage presence. You know he did a lot of backing vocals that I don't think typically happened back then. You know, he he just had, and then when he would do fucking Whiplash on stage, he was just, I thought, he, I think he was really just underappreciated in that band as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he was fucking great. Yeah. 
I can understand that. Um, so now, anybody else that we think is an underrated bassist? That is a good question, now that you think about it, now that I, you say it. Let's see. So, running through my, my lists here. Well. It, it, I could come up with, like, most metal bassists. I mean, you can, you can, you can. I can, I can sit here and throw off one uh, immediately that's all at Mike LaPont. Oh, yeah, that dude's badass. That dude's bad. Uh, if someone who doesn't get as much credit who probably should be on this list is probably John Myung from Dream Theater. Okay. Uh, I'm sure, you know, I'm not sure, I mean, a lot, I'm, I'm sure, like, a lot of the Metal Sucks readers are probably more into, like, the heavier things, mm-hmm. and then, like, the few of the mainstream guys, but, like, John Myung definitely deserves to be on some kind of list, whether, you know, appropriately rated or underrated, because mm-hmm. I don't think he gets enough credit for, for that, for the, his work on Dream Theater stuff. I'd also probably have to say the same thing with, um, I think his name is Martin Lopez from Opeth. Uh, he's definitely gone the gambit with that band as far as um, stylistically mm-hmm. going from pure death metal to the progressive fucking heavyweights that they are right now yeah. and he's even experimented with the band like you know working with a, a upright double bass for the first time on, on a particular record and, and pretty much crushing it so I would I would give him some credit for being underrated yeah um, I would say the same thing if, if we're talking like rock and metal then John Deacon Queen Oh yeah, oh oh yeah, he's solid fucking rhythm work with him for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, rock and metal, uh, rock music. I would also have to probably say a little bit of Roger Waters actually, because the first thing that comes to mind is not bass playing, and he yeah. was the bassist of that band, yeah. and he was actually pretty good. Some of those bass lines, especially on um, the track that's right before Another Brick in the Wall Part Two. I forget what it is, but like that's like an iconic bass track for that band, um, and holding down just the rhythm while Dave Gilmore is doing his thing is fucking great. Oh, was it Best Days of Their Lives? That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Just really fucking again. When the when Roger Waters comes to mind, bass is not the first thing that you think of, but he's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, again, you can come up with a, a billion here. Yeah, and, and just. Unfortunately, like with with a lot of metal, it's kind of hard to discern between the two. But I mean, when it's there, it's 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 there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I feel like I I mean, like I said, all bases are generally unappreciated, and I can say that because of the fact that I don't pay enough attention to the base when mm-hmm. I listen to stuff. I have to sit there and actually push myself to pay attention to it and look for it. So I would need a whole other listen just for that. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You know, so. I I try to go when I listen to things. I try to listen to to, to everything. Mm-hmm. I try to. You know, it also depends on how I'm listening to it. Yeah. You know, headphones. I try to get everything in because it's like specifically tuning everything out to listen to that stuff. Yeah. Um. But if it's just like out at the fucking gym or anything like that, it's like just fucking move me, please. I mean, if it's if it's the first time listening to it, I try to absorb it as a whole. Mm-hmm. Then I'll start to break it down a little bit. Gotcha. Go yeah, back to certain makes parts. Sense. You know, especially vocals first. Typically, vocals are first. Um, drums, guitar, bass is always last. So, and then I, I always, pick up little nuances thereafter. I always find like little bits and pieces, like a little uh, like a band like Killswitch Engage. You don't think of of bass being the first thing because it's typically just like follows the rhythm. Mm-hmm. 
But sometimes when it stands out, I'm like, oh shit, welcome to the fucking party, buddy. Where'd you come from? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I always, I always find that like, you know, like rock bands tend to have a re- have a really good tight and thick bass sound. Like Stone Sour, whoever their bass is at any given time, I don't even know who it is, but um, they tend to sound very good yeah. on their records. You know. Here's another sign that another sign that basses are underrated. Typically, they're the one person you don't know the name of. <laughs> <laughs> they make entire episodes about that sort of thing on Metalocalypse for Murderface. So yeah, <laughs> it's like a you 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 and. Hey, hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, it's you. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> look, at, look at you doing you. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you look good. Nice. <laughs> hey. But, but seriously, like, that's, that's, that's the, that's the stigma of it. I always find it funny that, like, like, Let's go through the list again. Like, think about the list again. Like, who should not have been on the underrated list? And Clash Claypool for sure Claypool, should not have been Claypool on it. Claypool and Harris for sure. And, and, and you know, Harris, I'm not, I'm not so sure. I mean, I don't like. Sometimes I, I know he's the bass player of Iron Maiden, but I don't think of his bass playing skills all the time. Oh, I do. You know, so, oh, it's, so it's so it's so prevalent in their music. That is true. It is true. So, I mean, and he's another one of those guys that's a lot of power chords too. Yeah, like like a lemmy. But he but, does he does a lot of just like he's not slapping the bass, but he's getting pretty damn close. Yeah, his fucking finger style is fucking incredible. And the funny thing is about the funny thing about a majority of those people that we talked about, a majority of them are finger players. Mm-hmm. Like maybe three of them were pick players. Jason Newstead's a pick player. Mm-hmm. Gene Simmons is a pick player. Um, I think that's I think that's majority of them. That we talked about. Oh, fucking Lemmy's a pick player, but everybody else is a fucking finger player. Oh yeah, and that, I think that that gives another level of, of skill and dexterity um, to that sort of thing, especially because those strings tend to be so thick and they're so heavy. Yeah. there's a lot of things going on. So you know that's pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, bass needs more appreciation. <laughs> An album of all bass. I mean, that's, that's like, probably happened by now. Like Death from Bill and Ted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A lighter shade of pale. <laughs> Your bass solos were 20 minutes long and they didn't go anywhere. <laughs> uh, I, need to, I need that movie when it comes out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so I think we're pretty much done with our discussion for this week. We're I think sh- so. Little, yeah, we should little, definitely pick these up again. Yeah, a little, little short, but, you know, then, uh, we don't have much to say about bases, unfortunately. Uh, that kind of goes par for the course for bases. Yeah, so, I mean, we need the basis on the show. Was it better? We need the basis on the show. We, need, we should get, like, a new fucking intro song with it that has nothing but bass. Or we can just play... Um, Bring the noise and just have it go bass. <laughs> <laughs> How long can you go? <laughs> That's all I'm thinking about this whole time. Just bass. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chuck D. Thank you. Uh, okay, so um, we're going to retire now because um, we're not actually going to retire the show or anything. Uh, well, well, why don't you calm down there, Punk? Yeah, punk breaks. Slow your roll. Yeah, I'm 35. I'm not that old. <laughs> You're not 35 yet. Almost. <laughs> you got a couple days left, son. I'm getting there. Um, but we are going to uh, sleep it off for the rest of the night because of the fact that tomorrow's a new work day. And yep. 
there is much to be done. I gotta mop the floors because I'm old. Well, I have to. I have to go dominate poker gyms <laughs> in, in the darkness of the night. He's gonna be a fucking midnight raider over here. Hey, that's what I did. That's what I do. I don't fucking doubt it. Six in the morning, just waiting for somebody to come out and beat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so until next time, I'm Dan Mack. And I'm Chris Mack. And we are The Slime.